0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Chip. How are you doing?
0: I mean, we are at the midpoint of spring football. We are. We're at the, we're at the midpoint of Texas Longhorns spring football, coming off that 5-7 and seven 2021 season and then the off-season of all off-seasons, one of the best off-seasons in college football with the hiring of two talented new position coaches and Brennan Marion at Tashard Choice. You bring out Gary Patterson as a as a special assistant to the head coach. We don't even know what that means. It's like <laughs> G14 classified special assistant To the head coach gary patterson and and then the recruiting class top five recruiting class all full of offensive linemen and defensive linemen and now here we are seven practices into spring ball there will be 15 practices including the spring game on april 23rd and so we are going to give you a couple of nuggets from uh, observing practice today. And then we're going to get into sort of a mid spring football, you know, maybe a couple things that are exciting to us, maybe a concern. So sit back, relax, and let's talk some Texas football. All right. So
1: here on the flagship podcast, Chip, as we always say, it never ends. It never ends. When you talk about the the season it's almost like that was just a bad dream i think right the off seasons erase the five and seven mentality right
0: remember that first half of the ou game
1: oh my gosh yeah
0: i mean it looked like everything was better it looked like everything was clicking that the arrow was going up 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 that they were gonna just drum ou into the ground and if Spencer Rattler would have remained the quarterback. Texas probably would have drummed the Sooners into the ground. But then real life happened. Caleb Williams happened.
1: We don't need to rehash the details, Chip, I think. Yeah, but the first
0: <laughs> half. Remember the first half?
1: <laughs> yeah. Good that and was? now we're a new team, right? That we're now talking it's a whole about new
0: team. <laughs> Now it's a whole new team. Casey Thompson threw for five touchdowns in that game. He's at Nebraska. Now you've got uh, a whole new situation kind of a rebuild, and so let's uh, let's get into it, Taylor. We were at practice this morning. We're recording on Tuesday, and uh, one of the things, we don't get a great um, look, an extended look, if you will, but one of the things that jumped out was Jaden Hullaby, who has been a linebacker the past two seasons at Texas. Uh, he played running back in high school, Um, and, and now he's at running back. So people are like, okay, Jaden Hullaby, he's still on the team. Well, I thought it was interesting because we did ask Sark, Steve Sarkisian about it after practice. And he said, you know, he's a bigger guy. Maybe he can do some of the things that Roshan Johnson can do. So they're taking a look at it. And the first thing that goes through your mind is well. Okay, linebacker has been a big position of concern in terms of depth. So they must be feeling good about who they've got at linebacker right now. Yeah. And and that brings us to the conversation we've been having, Taylor, that Jalen Ford and David Benda are two names we continue to hear as you know players who are having a, a really good spring. And then you throw in Devin Richardson and DeMarvian Overshawn and There's your two deep at linebacker.
1: Yeah, and that's even you know before we consider Luke Brockermeyer, who's been out with an injury and is not going through um, you know the standard spring. And I think Chip, this development, it it, some a little behind the scenes is kind of funny because after the practice, we you know had about what an hour or so before we were able to talk to Sark. So um, Chip and I went to this cafe over um, by campus, and we're just kind of mapping out the the flagship podcast. And at one point, I was like, let's make sure that was actually him, you know, not like maybe a different running back, possibly, you know, changing uh, numbers or something like that. And it was, you know, and so I think that that development is it may seem minor right now. But I think from like, you know, going to running backs, I think a lot of people obviously look at the Texas roster in the position that is the most loaded is the running back room so there may be some people wondering why you're adding more bodies to that position but if anything i will look at this as a huge positive development for the uh, linebacker group because that was a concern going into this year it it was a little bit of a concern up and down play you know outside of damarby and Overshawn last year and it really hasn't improved too or it hadn't you know looked like it was improving too much then with Jalen Ford uh, really coming on there, as you mentioned, David Benda and um, DeMarvianova shown. I mean, this is this is a very positive development that I think a lot of people may kind of sweep under the rug right now because of the move to running back. I'm looking at it from the opposite side of the spectrum of the what this means for the linebacker room.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, Bijan Robinson, probably going to move on after this season. Probably. Never. Don't, you know, count. Um, don't wish the days away or don't try to predict the future. You can't predict the future, but, uh, be Robinson trending in that direction, right? Roshan Johnson is a senior. I mean, so you're loaded at the running back position right now, but you, you may be, you know, looking for some answers at this time next year. So we'll see, but no doubt that, uh, I think right now the storyline is the linebacker position. And what does this mean that they're willing to let Jaden Hullaby um, move positions? He, you know, as we mentioned, I think there was a lot, he was an athlete when he was recruited to Texas. And I think Jaden Hullaby wanted to start at running back. He wanted to start off as a running back, but there was a bigger need at linebacker. Now, clearly, uh, the coaches feel like, at least right now, knock on wood you got a healthy jalen ford you got a healthy david benda and i i'll say this about david benda i continue to hear that he's playing more physical than Demarvin and and that's why they're splitting reps with the ones i mean Demarvin over is a big time you know he's the leading tackler on the team he's a big you know he's kind of the face of the defense agent zero um but they do need him to be more physical and david benda i'm hearing is Playing physical this spring, and Jalen Ford, I think, is blossoming. Um, we continue to hear it from everyone. We heard it from uh, Josh Thompson as as a, a guy uh, in in our flagship podcast interview a couple of Mondays ago. And don't don't miss our interview with Derek Johnson, Super DJ, uh, the Longhorn legend, Nagurski Award winner, Buckus Award winner, all time leading tackler with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who we talked to. Uh, in Monday's podcast. So check that out because he gives his thoughts on the current situation with the Longhorns, what he sees as well as what he's up to now. So um, I, th- I do, I think that's the story. There was another little story to Taylor that um, Malik Murphy, the early enrollee freshman quarterback who suffered that severe ankle injury in his victorious high school state championship game uh, is now throwing now, he's not going to be taking part in, you know, 11 on 11 in practice or even seven on seven, but where he's just standing and throwing, like in warmups and individual drills, he is doing that. Looked good. He's moving around pretty well, but Steve Sarkeesian continues to temper expectations on that, saying he's about where he should be coming off a quote unquote severe ankle injury. Right. So just be patient with Malik Murphy.
1: Yeah. And and when we were watching him today, this was the first practice that we were able to, you know, view where he was actually fully dressed out and a full participant. Um and the thing, you know, he's obviously getting he was getting mental reps. Steve Sarkeesian obviously talked about, you know, in the offseason learning everything, being in the classroom. Now he's getting a few physical reps, but as you mentioned, you have to temper your expectations because the one thing when you saw the quarterbacks run from one side of the field to the next, when they're, you know, switching uh, basically at, um, you know, the 50 yard line switching, which way they're throwing the ball, Malik Murphy wasn't running at all. He was very, very like maybe briskly walking would probably be and a very favoring that, uh, I believe it's his right ankle of his. So yeah, I mean, it's obviously a huge positive development that he is back because that was a very severe injury that he suffered, but I would say he's nowhere close to being fully back, you know, a part of the rotation or anything. Or I would say if you're a Texas fan, don't expect to, to hear too much, honestly, about him in spring football.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, It's uh, look, the quarterback position is the is the attention that gets or the position that gets all the attention. And and so everybody's intrigued, whereas Malik Murphy, this is going to be a development year. It looks like for Malik Murphy. But who knows? I mean, he's he certainly looks the part. He looks every bit of six, five and two twenty. And and let's see what Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Millie can do with him. And, um, and he stands we'll be- out
1: for sure because as you mentioned I mean he is all of six five is what shows on his profile that that was today was I mean the obviously it was the first time that we've been able to see him in full pads and everything and yeah that's a that's a big quarterback so in Texas doesn't have too many of the big guys really anymore um at quarterback so he looks apart for sure um it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he develops so
0: yeah yeah we'll get into um the uh, the quarterback position a little bit later, but Taylor, let's get, it's the midpoint of spring. So let's, uh, let's get into a couple of things that stand out or maybe are exciting to you uh, at this point of spring football. Uh, let's start. I think you're going to do one on offense, one on defense, and then we'll, we'll list a concern. You want to, you want to go first?
1: Yeah. And um I'll start off with offense. Uh, I think one of the things that stands out thus far is the progression of uh, wyoming transfer wide receiver as a or you know we heard a lot of very positive things about him when he decided to sign with texas after being committed to tennessee and basically you know the 11th hour texas goes in there see sarkeesian jeff banks does a good job of getting him to flip his commitment there um he had a productive year at wyoming and i think a lot of times when those transfers do have a productive season somewhere else, the, the expectations skyrocket, especially at a place like Texas. And it sounds, from everything that we've been hearing, it sounds like he's actually living up to those expectations right now. And that, that's a big development for the offense because, you know, I think, Chip, when we look back at the 2021 season and you talk about the Texas offense, the players people talk about are going to be Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. Well, you know if you're only having two guys that are going to get the ball you know then it's a lot easier to you know put double team them or you know really just stack the box to stop the run game and stuff so the more weapons texas has at receiver the better and isaiah nayer thus far at least has seems to be answering the call and really um being as good as advertised i would say um coming out of you know that that season he had at wyoming when he had 12 touchdown catches um close to 1000 yards receiving in an offense that wasn't a really pass heavy type of attack so um that that's a hu- that's a positive development and i would say my sub one would be also the the development of jordan Whittington. it's hard for me to say too much about him cuz he's always been injured but you know i do think as long as he stays healthy the trio of receivers with Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayer, and Jordan Winnington could end up being um, as cracked as, you know, um, as good as what people are expecting the, those three to be at Texas in 2022.
0: Yeah. And I'll throw in um, a tiny little uh, sub a spoonful of sugar for Casey Kane, who, mm-hmm. if people watch, you know, follow the Texas football social media, he had a Unbelievable one-handed catch in Saturday's practice against Ryan Watts uh, on a pass from Quinn Ewers, and you know he got up flexing. Um, Let's see more of that. Mm -hmm. Let's see more of that because you're hearing some good things about Casey Kane that he's that he's really uh, getting after it and trying to uh, move into that too deep. And so you know he's six foot three, kind of long, kind of like Isaiah Nair. So let's continue to see if Casey Kane can uh, put plays like that together and, and let's see if he can, you know, get on the field, make an impact because last year was a developmental year for him. And so um, you, you get here and some of the guys are really adjusting to college life. And then you hear a guy like Josh Thompson talk about, you know, Jalen Gilbo and Terrence Brooks and how they're here to work and they're here to to make an impact. And you're starting to hear that about Casey Kane that he wants to make an impact. So we'll be monitoring his progress. Um on the offensive side for me, Taylor, um, I'm this is probably more benefit of the doubt than true excitement because it's hard to tell just how far the The guys on the offensive line are coming, but I just can't get over this opportunity that Andre Carrick has right now at left tackle. And even Jalen Garth, who's backing up Andre Carrick at left tackle, because again, we saw Andre Carrick have some good moments on the field. We've heard his teammates talk about how he's got the disposition, the nastiness. And And here he is, he's going to get all these spring practices, both he and Jalen Garth taking first and second team reps at left tackle because they've moved Christian Jones over to right tackle. And the sense is, okay, well, Kelvin Banks or Devin Campbell, one of the, you know, the two highest rated offensive linemen in the country uh, who will be arriving in June are going to be fighting over one of those, if not two of those starting spots at, you know, on that offensive line. But this is such a big opportunity for Andre Carrick and Jalen Garth. And considering, you know, Carrick is entering his his third year, uh, this is is when it should be clicking in, that it's about the job and and winning the job. And Jalen Garth has the length, the measurables. And Steve Sarkeesian actually gave Jalen Garth some love this today yeah when I asked about these guys he said you know Jalen Garth's the guy who really remade his body during the eight weeks of winter conditioning and you could tell Sarkisian was impressed with that so let's see it let's let's obviously we're at the midway point but we know offensive line is um is under construction and you'd love it you'd love it if Andre Carrick and Jalen Garth seize this opportunity." and, um, you know, take big steps forward, big.
1: Yeah. And they, Texas needs it. I mean, they, the, the, you know, better, um, the competition and the better that the depth is at offensive line is so crucial in, um, the success or the failure of the team. I mean, games are one in the trenches on both sides of the ball and the offensive line never really gets the credit necessarily offensive line. Men, I should say, don't get, you know as much credit as much flash they probably don't get as many nil deals because a lot of their they're kind of the the faceless names out there more than anything but um you know these guys have a really big opportunity chip as you mentioned and texas offensive line has been let's be honest, in shambles for decades now. I mean, over a decade, it's been essentially in shambles. And even when Colt McCoy was the quarterback in 2009, I still think, I'm convinced that he had so many deficiencies on that offensive line because he was just so elite of a college football uh, quarterback. And so this has been an ongoing problem. And the more these guys can you know, not just step up themselves, but then the people behind them really push them even further. And, um, you know, the better that it's going to be for the future. And, you know, we've talked, Kyle Flood has his his work cut out for him again this year. He had it cut out for him in uh, 2021 too. But um, any type of positive developments on the offensive line, I think you just take those when when you can get them right now if you're Texas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a disappointment if Andre Carrick and Jalen Garth are not two of the players at the end of spring who are singled out by coaches as you know players who've made the biggest strides during the spring
1: mm-hmm.
0: because they're getting so many reps against a veteran defensive line a deep defensive line and this is the balancing act that steve sarkeesian is in um because of the lack of depth on offense they're having to be careful about how much they scrimmage so you know, these Saturdays that have been scrimmages in the past are now partial scrimmages. They're practices, and then there are scrimmage situations because they just can't burn these receivers and these offensive linemen out um, to conduct practice. They, they can't afford any soft tissue injuries and knock on wood. That hasn't been an issue except for, you know, guys like Juan Davis in and out of the lineup. But um You know, Jameer Johnson was a guy who missed a little bit at the beginning, but now he's getting some praise. Uh, He's running a lot um, of second team corner. And and so, you know, so far so good in terms of managing the depth and kind of surviving uh, this spring while trying to get quality work in, but not as much scrimmaging as they've done in the past. All right, Taylor, uh, let's switch over to defense. Uh, Give me something that stands out on defense at the midpoint of spring.
1: I think that for me, Chip, it's it's the progression of uh, Jade Barron at the nickel position. I mean, this is a guy that has gotten a lot of praise, not only just from Steve Sarkeesian, but also uh, from Anthony Cook. I talked to Anthony Cook on Saturday after the practice on Saturday, and you know, one of the guys that he first pointed to as a guy that's really been kind of taking that next step is jude Barron at the nickel position. Obviously, Anthony Cook knows that position well because he's playing currently at safety. He was getting, I guess, a little bit of reps allegedly at nickel because Sark called him a defensive back last week. But he's playing mainly at safety when he was the starting nickel. And, um, you know, Anthony Cook played that position so well, I feel, in 2021 that he's a type of guy who's going to know what good – play looks like there. And he singled out Jaday Barron as a guy that's really, um, you know, stepped up and kind of answered the call a little bit with that nickel role being open with Anthony Cook moving to safety. So I think that's something, you know, that that is a it's a positive development, obviously, um, especially when you're hearing it, not just from coaches and um, but also from the players, the players that are in the locker room, the players that are on that side of the ball, the players who have played that position and if if you know Anthony Cook is talking him up not asked specifically about him brought him up specifically about the players that stand out that's a good sign so I would say that for the defensive side of the ball that would be mine uh what about you
0: yeah and I think Jade Barron is a great um is a great uh example of a guy who's seizing an opportunity um I'm I've been intrigued with Jade Barron ever since. DJ Foster told us that his interception against Arkansas was based on Jade Barron telling him what play was coming. <laughs> I, I Just from that point on, I'm like, why isn't Jade Barron on the field more? Anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, um, one thing I would uh, say, you know, I think he's also kind of coming into more of a leadership role too. Sark today after practice talking about a number of the guys who, you know, may have not really had too much of a voice previously on defense just because of you know whether they were um you know kind of fresh or new or green at the position and and this is really a chance for him to kind of make a claim also as in a leadership role you know in that secondary because secondary needs leadership let's let's be real i mean um Big last time. year was pieced together i mean it was basically the uh the anthony cook and josh thompson show and that was it you know and there were how many other you know three others out there that just were kind of let down. So, yeah, I think that that's another thing too. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how the comfortability and like the leadership comes along with it too.
0: Yeah. Well, on, so I'm going to go right, kind of piggyback on what you said. And, you know, I think the fact that Anthony cook and Keaton Crawford have been running first team safety through the first half of spring ball and, Um, From what I'm hearing, playing solid and, you know, there's chemistry there and the fact that, you know, the teammates will talk about both of these guys being dogs, you know, that they are, they're about the team, they're about making plays, they're about, um, you know, trying to get to the next level and are willing to put in the work to do it. Now. You don't know what you've got until you're under adversity, or you've just given up a big play on defense, or the momentum is just swung, uh, like it did in the Red River shootout. That's when you find out. Okay, do we got dogs, or do we got dogs? And <laughs> got and dogs, so what,
1: or we got puppies back. <laughs> right. So
0: we're not, you know, we're not there yet. We're not ready to anoint Anthony Cook or Keaton Crawford at this point, but. This is such a big development because we've talked about all the exodus from the safety position from, you know, Chris Adamora and B.J. Foster, Tyler Owens, Xavier Alford, uh, Marcus Caldwell. They're all gone. And and, you know, Caden Stearns uh, left early for the NFL. And so. They're pulling guys, you know, they're pulling Keaton Crawford from corner. Maurice uh, Blackwell is running second team safety there, they pulled him from linebacker right. and in JD coffee. And, uh, who's, you know, in his second year in the program, but Anthony cook was a productive player. So it's Johnny Barron, your guy. And, and they've got to get the most productive players on the field and they got to get them in positions where they can have an impact. And so I think, um, the more we hear about Anthony cook and Keaton Crawford, um playing well it's safety that's great news for texas football because the the secondary uh is where all the communication seemed to break down especially right up the middle of the defense the safety position i mean it was a revolving door it was it was brennan schooler it was jaron thompson it was bj foster and, and then you know toward the end of the season it was all right let's get some other guys in here let's let's i'm not happy with the effort um know steve Sarkeesian saying that in that k-state game yeah you had such good effort everywhere else and then you had some you had some blooper type effort uh in the secondary and guys got benched in that game so you know where was that earlier in the year but hey whatever it takes and if that mindset now is if you're not all in you're not in you're not going to be on the field then that's where things need to be i mean that's that's when the culture you know starts to that toughness and accountability starts to kick in and and they need that kind of toughness and accountability at the safety position at nickel it, you know at the back end of your defense you can't be you know guessing you can't be um, you know you got to know exactly what you're doing and i loved what anthony cook said on saturday when he said Look, I've played corner. I've played nickel. I know where guys are supposed to be now that I'm at safety. And I just, I have high hopes for Anthony Cook. I hope it turns into a a great year for him. I hope it's a year that we talk about and say, man, Anthony Cook, what a story. Uh, Same with Jaday Barron. Same with Keaton Crawford. Because all these guys have made plays. They just haven't been on the field consistently to show that they can do it consistently. So. Um, And speaking
1: of, you know, that the effort level, especially Chip, when you're talking about that, that reminds me, we need to get Michael Griffin back on after spring. Hopefully he's been able to go out to some practices because when we had him on during the season, we had him on during the bye week coming out or after the Oklahoma game. And he was brutally honest in talking about the lack of effort in, especially at the safety position, especially against Oklahoma And um, I mean, we had a conversation with him a little bit, even behind the scenes. I won't express what he said to me and Chip when we weren't recording, but it it was very clear that that was a huge problem. And it was such a problem that it made former players that played in the secondary angry (laughs) about the lack of effort, um, especially against a rival like Oklahoma. And so the more, you know, the more those guys can be the consistent players as you said, the more the opportunity they have to be able to play consistently, the better. And I also think you know Texas really kind of has lacked um that that leadership from a, a like a vocal leadership too from the safety position ever since Brandon Jones left chip. I mean he was he was he probably never got the credit that he was due but he was phenomenal at making sure that the players were lined up correctly, you know, um, just being that, that voice on the defense and really Texas has not really had that since he left for the NFL. So, um, the more positive developments that we can hear, I think right now about Anthony cook and Keaton Crawford, and then also with Anthony cook coming out, being able to be a little bit more vocal, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned him as another guy that, you know, when you play cornerback, you don't really need to be vocal you're not you're not yelling out where things are going the people behind you are and now he's in a position where he is able to yell that out and Sark pointed to him about being you know a guy that is kind of um taking those steps and those strides and the more that happens the better this defense is going to be
0: yeah it's, it is interesting that Anthony Cook and Jade Barron both are now in in you know vocal roles in the secondary and when they were playing corner as you mentioned you're being told what to do right. And, and so, uh, and I would, I would obviously say, I mean, there's excitement about Ryan Watts. Um, you know, he's come in six foot three corner. And from what I'm hearing, he is just kind of locked down, uh, the left corner position. Um, while Deshaun Jameson and, and Jalen Gilbo have rotated some at the ones Ryan Watts is like locked down, uh, a starting position. Uh, at corner, at least up to this point in, in terms of his running with the ones, that's a huge development because you lose Josh Thompson. You've got to have a, a guy come in who gives you confidence, who's able to, you know, have a presence and, and at six foot three and a guy who's played at Ohio state, um, like a native Texan from little Elm, uh, Ryan Watts has certainly been a, a big time story up to this point of yeah. spring as well.
1: And him locking down that. Now let's hope he has some lockdown corner play when he's on the field in right. the football season. He's he's secured the role as of right now. Now let's see that continue, you know.
0: Right. And Steve Sarkeesian has said, I'm glad to hear it. I think Texas fans are gonna be glad to hear it that he wants uh stickier coverage, he wants the corners up on receivers. He doesn't want the free um completions that they've been giving up, the short stuff that turns into long stuff. And he wants his corners to be able to get up on receivers and, you know, impact their ability to get off uh, for those quick slants and the, you know, a lot of the RPO stuff that has hurt Texas. And and I think that's a welcome um you know wish or demand or whatever. You're either coaching it or letting it happen. Steve Sarkeesian says he wants tighter coverage he's he said obviously you can play a little tighter when you have a better pass rush or you can you know hope that your coverage is good enough that it allows your pass rush time to get there so either way he wants his his corners to be up tighter on the receivers and that is i think welcome news for uh for all texas fans all right so taylor uh a concern a concern at this point midway through spring football
1: I think I'm going to I'm going to stick with offensive line. I mean, the, the here's the thing, though, offensive line was going to be the debt that of offensive line was going to be a concern, regardless of what has happened through the first seven practices of spring football. Um, I mean, you know, they moved uh, Sawyer, Gorham, Welsh from defensive line to offensive line to help you know build a little bit of depth there. Uh, there's just there's just a lot of um, unknowns, I would say, right now. That's not too much of a surprise, but it still remains a concern to me. And so I I would say that that's got to be the the first thing in my mind when I think of concerns about Texas football. I'm, I'm starting with the offensive line. What about yeah. Egypt?
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to say the quarterbacks um and it's not you know, it's just because there's some things that we aren't going to know until game time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've talked a lot about Hudson Card. And, you know, I asked Steve Sarkeesian today about Hudson Card. And look, he's in his second year in the offense. He should be further ahead of Quinn Ewers. And Steve Sarkeesian said, yeah, he's, he knows the concepts and probably more about the totality of the offense. But, you know, Quinn Ewers just needs to make sure he masters what we're installing that day. And then the next day, when we install something else, he needs to master that. And, what we installed the previous day and so forth and so on. We're not going to know how Hudson cards pocket presence has truly, uh, improved maybe even until the Alabama game. If he's the starter, you know, because he's the, the veteran guy so much still has to play out. Um, but I just would say with no veteran in the room, um, you've got, your most experiences in his second year in this offense, you've got an unbelievably talented quarterback in Quinn Ewers uh, because he can make all the throws. We've seen that from what we've been able to watch in practice. It's impressive. Both, both of them throw, um, you know, pretty footballs, but what's it going to be like when the guard misses his block and, you know, you've got a 300 pound three technique bearing down on you. And, um, You know steve sarkeesian talked today about uh i love this phrase i gotta find it the uh contact commitment um you know he it's uh you know where the quarterback has to stand in there and knows he's gonna get hammered and and be willing to take that hit yeah and and you know that's something that hudson card is we got to see that we got to see that from him that he can take that big hit come back stand in the pocket take another hit um and have that pocket presence that his teammates are gonna um uh, you know believe in and play for
1: right and steve sarkisian did say sometimes as, as you said like the you know the contact but he said sometimes it's good if the quarterback gets hit because it's like oh i can get up i can get up from that so um, you know, I think that you're right. That's going to be something that you're going to see more in live game reps now as contact
0: courage, sorry, contact, Taylor. contact courage. courage,
1: contact courage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the, the other funny thing is, you know, since obviously quarterbacks don't really get hit ever in spring practice, Sark, uh, when that was mentioned in a question today, Sark's like, well, they're not supposed to. You should tell Keandre that. <laughs> so I think Keandre Coburn may be going after the quarterbacks a little bit when he's not supposed to. But you know, I think uh, I think you're right. You know, I think any type of you want to see the the you know a big leap um, in development and uh, production from Hudson Card, and I it starts with with him and his pocket presence. I mean, how many times do we hear? Uh, last year, Steve Sarkeesian talked about happy feet. You know, he has, he has happy feet when he's in the pocket. The other thing, though, he did say, and this was kind of surprising, Chip, uh, was that with Hudson Card, he said, he's like, you know, his legs are a weapon, too. And Sark, ad- ad- you know, acknowledged that they're not really the type that are going to really utilize a running quarterback. However, they're not going to take that weapon away if Hudson card can use it. So um, that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that works, you know, and how Hudson card, if he can maybe take the the step that Sam Ellinger eventually took the more experience he did get, you know, he had happy feet. His first thing, I think when he felt pressure was to tuck it and run. And obviously he could do it because he was a bulldozer out there. I mean, he was basically a linebacker playing a uh, quarterback. And so you know Hudson Card's different build, obviously, but it's going to be very intriguing to watch when you know things start breaking down in the pocket if he can remains his or keeps his composure, or if he you know does a run out, and which of those runs are designed you know by this or by this coaching staff, because that'll be something different than what Quinn Ewers I think brings to the table too.
0: Yeah, and Quinn can run. Now you know when last we saw Quinn in 2020, he was coming off a. You know a tough injury and we talked to riley dodge injury, right right yeah so you know we talked to riley dodge about it uh make sure you go back through all the flagship podcast interviews because we had a great conversation with riley dodge uh quinn ewers high school coach at south lake carroll about how tough quinn ewers is and how athletic he is and people he said people didn't even see his athleticism um, in that at the end of that 2020 season, when he came back from injury, uh, fought through it and uh, led his team probably a year early to the state championship game uh, against Westlake. And and so Quinn Ewers can move around. The thing that I hope that Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Millwee make clearer to the quarterbacks is because they don't call quarterback runs and in fact they discourage it because they don't want the quarterback getting hurt but yet um casey thompson and hudson card both had um run ability when things broke down to go get six yards get a first down move the chains but it sounded like there was confusion mm-hmm. among the quarterbacks about when am i supposed to run when am i supposed to keep my eyes downfield and steve sarkisian talked about that today are are you looking down? when the rush is coming or are your eyes up looking down field, trying to keep the play alive, trying to slide in the pocket and get to where you can find a window to make the throw versus when to just purely tuck it and run. And, and I think Sark talks a lot about feel and feel is going to be when it works, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that that, that is a component of both of these quarterbacks that may have to come into play again, Taylor, because look, when your offensive line is struggling or growing or whatever the term we're going to use, uh, rebuilding, having a quarterback who can run or throw on the run, bootlegs, waggles, that's that's what Colt McCoy and Jordan Shipley did all of 2009. They moved the pocket. They, they, they kind of moved away from the weaknesses of the offensive line and tried to just buy a little bit of time for Colt McCoy to find Jordan Shipley downfield. And that was one thing that I was disappointed with in Steve Sarkisian last year felt like he, he was so committed to what he wanted to to get done in his pro style offense that he didn't really waver uh, to try to win with the, you know, adjust things to the talent that he had in year one because he is recruiting big, strong-armed quarterbacks like Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. And he wants to let everyone know we're a pro-style offense, we're running what the NFL's running. I'm not really gonna waver from that. And that, you know, look that each coach has to make his own decisions. Uh, we saw Tom Herman kind of burn his first year at Texas to burn his culture in guys who could help, you know, like Armani Foreman and Chris Warren kind of got thrown to the side because he didn't really care for their practice habits. And by God, we're going to do it my way. And, and they struggled and those, those guys were playmakers. Let's see, um, you know, how far this offense can go because man, when you play a pro style offense, you are asking a lot of your offensive line you've got a you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna zone block you're gonna you're you're gonna block gaps you're you're asking these guys to do a lot and we saw dave aranda bring in jeff grimes from byu and they simplified everything they just ran wide zone cut blocking kind of the san francisco 49ers old denver broncos scheme where I don't need to have the best athletes on the offensive line. I just need you to kind of move along with the, with the defenders and then cut block them and, you know, let my running back find a seam to run through. So, you know, and Baylor's the big 12 champions and they went from two and seven to big 12 champs. So, you know, different ways to get it done, but let's see uh, if, if, you know, it just, the decision-making should be, uh, more decisive from the quarterback position. And and that's going to be on Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Millway to make sure that that happens.
1: Yeah. And a part of me wonders, Chip, you know, I mean, hindsight's 2020, 20, obviously. Um, and I know the old, you know, adage is the best coaches coach to the talent that they have and not coach their talent to the scheme that they like to run. But it is a little bit tricky when you're dealing with recruiting too, because if, you know, say Sarkeesian gave a little bit and all you see are the quarterbacks at Texas really turning into essentially Sam Ellinger again, like a running type of quarterback, Sam Ellinger, that's what he was coined as, you know, even though he, he progressed significantly and, and with his pocket presence and not just tucking and run it as he got more experienced and more comfortable playing at the college level, he was still, in his last year at Texas, considered the running quarterback, and he wasn't, you know, running all the time like he was prior to that. So, you know, I, I feel like it's it's a weird, probably balancing act that the that college coaches anywhere, but you know, a, co- a coach like Steve Sarkeesian is in when he doesn't necessarily feel that the quarterback of the future at the time, at least in year one, may not have been on the the roster or what he had was not what he was the ideal. You know quarterback room um that he would want to have and he has to recruit to the quarterback room that he wants to have and if you have you know the guy that takes after sam ellinger running the ball a lot maybe these pro style quarterbacks the arch mannings are going to be like well they don't really run the type of quarterback play that i'm comfortable with and then you get out of the race with those guys so it's a weird balancing act with college coaching i think especially when coaches take over at a program and, um, you know, obviously don't have their own guys, their own recruited players on the roster that you kind of have to be a little bit of the, you know, not, maybe not give as much as you would like to just because you've got to think about the future too, and not just what's going on that day. And I know that's not what Texas fans want to hear. Any fan doesn't want to hear that, but you got to build for the future. And if, you know, with Steve Sarkeesian being such a, elite quarterback developer, you know, known as more of a quarterback guru in college football. I mean, you know, he's got to get the guys that he believes will be the ones he can develop and develop in his scheme. And so that's, I I just kind of wonder if there was no leash because of that, if that played a role chip with, uh, him not really wanting to do any design quarterback runs or giving Casey Thompson or Hudson card, much of a leash in running the ball because he didn't want, you know, to look like that's what they're going to be doing at Texas after, uh, Sam Ellinger was quarterback for four years, kind of doing that similar style of play.
0: Right, right, and that's the that's the million dollar question. Uh, year one, you're trying to establish uh, to everyone recruits the guys who are you who are going to come in and ultimately turn things around. That this is our identity. This is what we do. And of course, Steve Sarkeesian. How many times do we hear him say last year, "The more things we do on offense." the harder we are to defend where other coaches are like, we need to simplify. We need to simplify. Steve Sarkeesian is no, we need to be complex. In fact, Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, I, I cut things back in late in some of those losses where they had a double digit lead in the third quarter instead of sticking with the more complex stuff, which in hindsight, we ran pretty well. You know, and that's big too, Taylor. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian. Look, the players always know if things are getting simplified and the defense is able to kind of lock in on what you're doing, it gets harder. The players know that, and and so, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has to keep the gas down. He's talking about all gas, no breaks. Okay, we'll trust your players. You've been working on this stuff. Keep going with your motions and your complex stuff because your players can handle it and it's harder for the defense to handle. Hopefully, these are all the lessons that have been learned in the self-scout after five and seven. You bring in Gary Patterson. What did you see? Where did we make it easier for the defense? That's why you bring in a guy like Gary Patterson so that he can go back and look at your tendencies in the second half of those games and say, Here's what I see, Mm -hmm. and this made it easier for the defense um, to kind of lock in on what you're doing. Hopefully, all that has already happened, and and now we we see what lessons have been learned, not just by players, uh, all these players we've talked about in today's podcast, but also by this coaching staff. So,
1: yeah, for um, sure. And and you need the play. You need multiple. You need more than just two playmakers on offense too. And that was a hindrance at Texas. And I'm not trying to ignore, you know, Casey Thompson. He was he was playing very well, um, you know, prior to his injury in the Oklahoma game. But, um, you know, the, the two main playmakers were a running back and one wide right receiver. And defenses can figure it out, adjust. And if they're being sim- the offense is being simplified, they know they're going to those two guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's no secret. And then if they're simplifying everything around them, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's, that's a really good point to to bring up.
0: Yeah, and you kind of kept waiting, okay, when are they gonna you know, throw it a little more to Jared Wiley, the big tight end down the field. Okay, he doesn't block like you'd like, but he can catch and he can get downfield. Um, they ran a wheel route to Cade Brewer in the final seconds of the Kansas game to put it into overtime. Where was that all year? You know, I mean they were just there sometimes you gotta trust that that guys can make a play for you and you don't know that until you run the play for them right and and so we'll see we'll see what uh what's been learned um but again you're a third of your roster is gone you're bringing in new faces for a third of your roster this is a rebuild and even though you've got some veteran guys in different positions defensive line whatever receiver you got a good front front line uh top three Uh, You're starting over at tight end. You're starting over at at quarterback in a lot of ways. You're starting over at safety, starting over at corner with the exception of Deshaun Jameson. So, you know, it's people are like, man, what do you think? What do you think? Nine and three. I'm like, no, I'm not there yet. I'm like, I'm at six and six, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. You know, what we said this today on the podcast, incremental progress seems to be the catchphrase <laughs> of this spring football with Sark. He said he's seeing incremental progress from, you know, guys on the offensive line, incremental progress from the edge rusher position, incremental progress from Anthony Cook and Keaton Crawford at safety. So,
1: and the tight ends to Tavian Sanders and the tight ends, so. right. <laughs> Yeah. Tavian
0: Sanders and Gunnar Helm and and jaleel billingsley from what i hear i mean this guy may be troy O'Meary. i don't know uh we'll see but incremental progress i'm not i'm not given i'm not i'm not jumping ahead of myself here you know after after what happened last year you're gonna have to you're gonna have to show me don't tell me right
1: oh yeah for sure it's like uh it's it's hard to kind of give the benefit of the doubt after a five and seven season so yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm not I'm not predicting anything major for Texas, at least right now. You know, I mean, I can't tell you that after seven spring practices and I don't think anyone can. I don't think Sark can right now. <laughs> so and I think
0: Sark's been kind of, you know, he's been tempering things like with this incremental progress.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's smart, I, though, for him to do it. It is. It is. Yeah,
0: it is. I think, um, you know, it it's a rebuild. So. Mm-hmm we'll see how some of these young offensive linemen do when they get here in June. We don't even have all the players on this team, uh, especially some of these impact, you know, Brennan Thompson, some of the guys who are going to come in and have a chance to make an impact in the fall aren't even on campus yet. All right, Taylor, we'll get to love it or leave it in just a second. Texas baseball wins the series over Oklahoma. And that was a, it was a good news, bad news situation for Oklahoma. I mean, you had an unbelievable performance from, from Pete Hanson. Um, and then, you know, they, they lose game two. So they, they go into that Sunday, uh, decider and Lucas Gordon struggles. They go down seven to one, but they come all the way back. And what, uh, Austin Todd, his first start back from the shoulder injury he suffered on March 8th against Texas State. He goes three for five, uh, gets the first hit of the game uh, in the fifth inning, and then starts the the six-run rally that ties the game, ends up getting another hit in um, a five-run ninth inning. and uh, And Murphy Staley, what can you say about this guy? He's hit in 14 straight games he's batting a big 12 best 458 and it's it's a phenomenal story i mean murphy staley is just absolutely killing it at the plate for texas so uh bad news lucas gordon who looked like he was settling into that sunday starter role uh, that he took over for tanner witt struggles uh but the bats continue to to come alive for texas and you know to come back from 7-1 down in the deciding game in that series and win it uh 12 to 7 at Globe Life Field in Arlington shows this this Texas team is is resilient and they got some studs uh at the plate for sure.
1: Well yeah, and, and that's even before we're really talking about much about Ivan Melendez, but he was named uh the National College Baseball Writers Association player of the month For the month of march chip ivan melendez in the month of march hit 473 with 11 home runs and 29 rbis yeah i mean one month
0: (laughs) (laughs) hansen said there are pitches i i can't throw him yeah like he he's seeing it so well and and he continues to see it so well and that you know hodo uh has been hitting well Um, Eric Kennedy, you got you got guys who can come through when it's needed and um, impressive stuff. And Austin Todd coming back first start after missing eight games and he goes three for five and gets some crucial hits like a two out hit uh, in that rally, the six run rally that that tied the game seven seven uh it's big time it's it you know it wasn't pretty uh that texas pitching gave up all the all the runs and and they got into that hole but wow i mean no no lead is safe on this texas team for sure
1: yeah that three four spot on the the lineup is just monstrous <laughs> like, fun watch. like- fun to watch
0: dylan campbell with a three-run bomb uh over the weekend i mean uh good stuff and they'll play UT Rio Grande Valley and then TCU under new coach Kirk Sarluz uh, coming to the dish this weekend. TCU 19 and 9. That will be a good test for the Horns, who are now three and three in Big 12 play after dropping that series to Texas Tech and then winning the OU series two to one. All right, Taylor uh, and Texas softball. Got to give them some love. 18-1-1 one and one in their last 20 games. We talked about the, the roles are settling in. Janae Jefferson, unbelievable at the plate for, for Texas. But, um, you know, Haley Dulcini and Estelle Check and Sophia Simpson on the mound for Texas have settled in. And next up for Texas, number one ranked Oklahoma. So let's, uh, and that's April 12th. It's not this weekend, uh, April 14th, sorry. Mm -hmm. So they're they're off this weekend and then they'll take on the Sooners. All right, Taylor, you ready for some Love It or Leave It?
1: I am. Before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because football talk will continue, including some more uh, talk about the quarterback position. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, you ready for some more football talking love it. or leave it all right yeah so the first one for you is love it or leave it as of right now you think isaiah nayer finishes as the receiving yards leader for the longhorns in 2022.
0: hmm you know you know what as of right now i'm gonna love this as of right now i'm gonna love this here's the here's the deal Xavier Worthy defenses are going to game plan for him because of what he did last year his speed, his ability to turn a a short play into a a big play touchdown. And a quarterback loves a big receiver, and especially young quarterbacks. Because remember, Sam Ellinger developed pocket presence when he had guys like. Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, guys who are Mm 6'5". And what have we heard about Isaiah Nair? Catch radius. Jordan Whittington uh, last week talked about the dude catches everything in a six-yard radius when he was talking about Isaiah Nair. He also said that Nair's a guy you only have to tell him once, and he gets it. And that's also go back and read our insider about Isaiah Nair. Um, right after he signed, because I mean, part of the reason he's leaving Wyoming is he feels like he can go to the NFL and he wants to be in a a more prolific passing offense. I think this guy has um, a chance. I mean, look, we're probably splitting hairs. These are both we talk about Nair and Worthy. Probably talk about two receivers who could both go over a thousand yards if if they get the the quarterback play and the protection up front. So. Uh, these are good questions, good, you know, things to be sort of, uh, chopping it up about, but yeah, why not? I'll love this right now. Taylor, how about you?
1: Um, man, this is hard. Um, just because Xavier Worthy was so just electric, I would say last year. I mean, you know, teams were game planning and double teaming him and he still was, getting catches and so um I don't know I think you're right I think we're kind of splitting hairs here assuming these these two players continue to progress the way that they are as of right now I think I'm gonna leave it and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give Xavier Worthy a little bit of credit saying that he's gonna have back-to-back seasons as of right now as the leading receiver but man this is hard it's it's kind of like when Isaiah, or excuse me when uh lil jordan humphrey and colin johnson and Devin duvernay you know were on campus for sam ellinger is like all three of those guys had obviously enough talent and skills to at one point in their careers be the team's leading receiver and i think what well, wasn't lil jordan humphrey and colin, jo- colin johnson was what like 20 yards away from a thousand yards that one year and and lildron humphrey did surpass a thousand yards i think i think that's what it was um but yeah i mean i think i think that these two could be very um similar you know and and that's a good you know bring up the height that's a very good point um i i just i i can't i can't count out my man xavier worthy so i'm going to say that he's gonna followed up with another solid year
0: yeah yeah again good questions to have
1: yes These
0: these are positive all right love it or leave it number two
1: all right my second one is love it or leave it the way the quarterback situation is shaping up it's a carbon copy of last year with hudson card playing the role of casey thompson and quinn Ewers playing the role of card in 2021
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i mean I guess I can leave it in the sense that, um, you know, Casey Thompson was in his first year with Steve Sarkeesian uh, in terms of the offense, uh, but it is similar. I mean, it is similar. And from this standpoint, that um, Hudson Card is seen as the the veteran now, <laughs> even though you know he's a redshirt sophomore. In his second year in the Sarkesian offense. So um, you know, and Quinn Ewers is the hot shot. He's the number one recruit in the country for 2021. And so all the excitement and anticipation is around Quinn Ewers and, and what his recruiting ranking and everything says he could be. And, you know, there were rumblings last year about. Hudson card, throwing it like Aaron Rodgers, I, I still to this day say, tap the brakes on whoever was, you know, murmuring that out there to to Bruce Feldman. But
1: well, they um, said it to some other people in the market, too. And some other people in the market grabs a hold of it. It's like, hey, maybe you should go out to practice before I won't call out who it is, but maybe you should go to practice before you start just claiming this is fact when you haven't seen this guy. Yeah.
0: yeah. So i mean i'll i'll love it from that standpoint that you know hudson card is now the guy who's gotta um, grind and show that he can handle the job with the hot shot now coming up you know behind him so um i'll love it i'll love it even though that it's not identical uh i'll i'll love this how about you
1: I mean, there's definitely similarities, you know, when, as as you had mentioned, I mean, Hudson Card is considered the vo- the quote-unquote veteran in uh, in the quarterback room, just as Casey Thompson was considered the quote-unquote veteran, you know, going into last season, even though he had only played in one half of a football game. <laughs> I mean, Hudson Card at least has a little bit more um, experience in uh, the college level and has started some games, but still, yeah, I mean, it's a very similar situation i'm not sure i would say it's uh, i don't know because it i feel like i do feel like the quarterback position is a little bit stronger right now than it was in spring of 2021 and i'm not trying to knock on anybody that was in the quarterback room i'm just saying from you know as you mentioned having a guy that has been in the offense that you know, they're going to be running this season that already kind of gives them a leg up a little bit in the room. And then plus, you know, adding a generational type of talent in uh, Quinn Ewers, you know, I I feel like the the position itself is in a much more stable place as of right now. So I think I'm going to leave it on that account, but there's no denying that there's definitely a lot of similarities and kind of where what we were talking about in spring football, you know, last year at this time, compared to what we're talking about now, I would say they're, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty similar. So, but I'm going to have to leave it and say that just, just with Hudson card, having a little bit, the experience at the, uh, in this offense, I think gives it a little bit of a difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of upside at the quarterback position. I'm just not sure where they are right now. You right, know, like how long is it gonna take to get to total comfortability and let all that arm and letting all that arm talent flourish um, without having to think their way through plays and uh oh the guard missed the the block I'm about to get creamed by the three technique do I run do I try to throw it you know all that and that it's reps it's game it's game action and we we have to wait and we have to see them in action and see how they respond to adversity yeah all right taylor love it or leave it number three
1: Never, but real quick before i get there does if hudson card technically could have four years of eligibility left right if he were to do a true red shirt because his quote unquote red shirt year was the COVID season
0: right he's so, got
1: so he's. Technically, if he redshirted another time, he would still have four years at Texas. Left,
0: right? Well, he would have. This is his third year. He's a sophomore. He Red would shirt. have. He would have two more years after this.
1: Yeah, I'm saying if he were to redshirt one of those, like say, like God forbid, like any injury or anything, like Quinn Ewers comes on or something, and Hudson Card doesn't. I mean, his redshirt was the COVID year. I was just curious. I was trying to like. Play that out in my head, like if he could actually be there. Right. A bit.
0: Yeah,
1: it's weird. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Now, <laughs> random topic. There, tangent. There, but all right. My final one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. The player most in jeopardy of being left out of the starting lineup right now is safety Jaron Thompson.
0: Hmm. You know what? I'll 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 love this. I love this right now. I mean, I mean, I could argue that Jalen Ford is making a big push that could, you know, move Luke Brockermeyer out at middle linebacker. But the fact that Jaron Thompson is practicing and he's backing up Jada Barron at nickel and he's a backup safety to Anthony Cook and Keaton Crawford, I'm gonna love this because Jaron Thompson is. He's practicing, and and he's got to make his his statement um, when he's on the field, either at nickel or at safety. And we've seen him at safety. And look, they're growing pains. He had an up and down year for sure. I mean, there are some plays that Texas fans are thinking about right now that Jaron Thompson didn't make. Um, and hopefully they're thinking about You know a couple that he did make as well later in the year but the point is he's not he's not getting most of the first team reps at safety or nickel right now right now he can make a push change all that but i will i will love this uh right now taylor how about you
1: i agree i'm gonna love this as well and Chip, when, when you mentioned that, you know, he's getting reps behind Jadé Barron at nickel, and then he's running second team behind Anthony Cook and Keaton Crawford at safety. Those are all players that are at new positions, and they are still somehow ahead of him. Where, you know, Anthony Cook was behind Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson on the depth chart at corner, last year and then they moved him to nickel and he got a starting role that's not <laughs> what is happening with jaron thompson it seems that guys are moving to these positions and then they're they're still above him and you know i that's especially at safety i would say that that's a that's got to be an eye-opener if you're him i would hope it's an eye-opener if my goodness like two guys that had never played safety are somehow running with the ones and you're behind like how how do you not sit there and think about what you're possibly doing wrong or not doing good enough or not doing enough of to change that because that that's it's kind of I mean it's shocking to me do you, would you agree I mean like I, I'm like I'm kind of floored by that like you usually don't see this happen when players move positions and all of a sudden take over for a guy that started nearly every game last year I mean that's you know if if this isn't a wake up call for Jaron Thompson i don't know what what is but yeah i i have to love this and say that you know if something doesn't click there then right now you know um he's absolutely the player probably most in jeopardy of being left out of the starting lineup and again that's right now as you said too like i want we want to hit that home we're not saying that he doesn't have an opportunity to you know make up for um kind of falling behind here and he's shown Flashes not consistently. He's shown some really poor moments too, but you can tell there's talent there, and so it's just a matter of if, if it's going to click or not for him, or if he's going to, you know, take this personally and really try to fight to get that rollback back. And so it's it's a huge it's a huge spring and a huge off season for him for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he's been in the starting lineup, and and now he's looking up at others who are getting that opportunity now. So,
1: and I had never um, played the positions that he was getting the starting roles at.
0: Right. That's, right. Yeah. And good for the Texas coaching staff to look where the production was and get those players on the field and see, mm-hmm. you know, we got to see, we got to see if Anthony cook is a natural safety. We got to see if Keaton Crawford can be a natural safety. Cause Sark talked about the perspective of the field. When you move from corner to safety, you're, at corner, you're zeroed in on either your man or your part of the field, not the whole field. Mm-hmm. At safety, you're scanning the entire field and, and you've got to recognize things quickly and, and, uh, and make those calls quickly and loudly. Uh, but one thing about our man, Jade Barron, that, uh, The Josh Thompson said in the flagship podcast interview is that he'll echo calls, even calls that don't have anything to do with him yeah, to make sure that the rest of the defense hears it. And that's, that's the kind of little thing that adds up with coaches, you know, making sure that your teammates hear what they're supposed to hear. Even if it has nothing to do with you, that's the kind of communication, especially when things are going bad. Or adversity has struck, that is reassuring to teammates and is necessary because that's what we heard that the communication would break down when um, adversity would strike in the second half of those games where Texas gave up leads. So um,
1: it's like having coaches little- on the field. You want that. Right, you, right. you want to have coaches on. like There's only so much that a coach can do on game day, and you want to make sure that your players are taking what they've learned and bringing it onto the field and helping coach on the field because they're not on headsets when they're, you know, they don't have headphones in, in their helmets where they can hear what their coaches are saying when they're on the field. So you, you need the the players that turn into coaches on the field and Texas is like that. And I think this is a good sign though.
0: Yeah. I mean, Sark came out and said it today that there were times last year where half the defense was getting one call and the other half was getting another call. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, well, listen, hopefully those days are in the past because i don't know if we can take watching that anymore taylor but uh listen thanks everybody for listening to our our recap of the midpoint of spring football 2022 we will be back next week to tell you about the next set of spring practices and maybe everything we said today will be different who knows Maybe so much will have changed that you'll just have to tune in and see what is going on with these Texas Longhorns as they try to climb out with new vision, new tenacity, new everything in 2022 under Steve Sarkeesian. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Uh, We'll see you over at Horns 24-7.